Welcome to Conscious Business, where entrepreneurs learn to master their mindset, conquer their fear, and step into their bigger game. Now, here's your host, Julie Zuzak. Hello, and thanks for tuning in to Conscious Business. So I'm curious about something and had a question I wanted to ask you. Have you ever spent time thinking about how you make decisions? And not just reflecting back on decisions that you've made in the past, but actually looking at how and why you made those decisions. Today, I want to introduce you to the concept of decision fatigue, which, yes, my friend, is a very real thing. But before I explain what it is, I want you to get really conscious about your process of decision making, because this is something that just might be impacting how you run your business without you even knowing it. So let's start with three simple questions. Number one, do you ever struggle to make decisions and wish that you had more time or more data to help you make the right decision? Question number two, do you ever regret decisions that you made too quickly and maybe find yourself trying to fix or change the decisions that you've made in the past? Or question number three, do you feel like Goldilocks and pretty much that every decision that you've ever made is just right? So those three questions are getting you primed to start to think about how you make decisions decisions. And the truth is, the approach that we take to make decisions is rooted in our personality, in our disposition. And there are so many different ways that people make decisions. And the key here is not to find out what the right way to make a decision is. It's more about being being conscious about what your process is and being aware of how you approach decision making. Because after all, that's the one really key, important principle of conscious business, knowing exactly who you are and how you do things and why you do things the way you do, because this intelligence that you hold will help you to approach everything, to be more efficient and be more impactful and be more aligned with what makes you happy. So here's a look at what you're going to learn today. First, I'm going to give you an overview of the approaches and speeds of different decision-making. In our second segment, I'm going to explain how different personalities make decisions differently. And then I'm going to explain what decision fatigue is, because I know that you're curious. Then in our last segment, I'm going to give you five great tips to help you make good decisions and to avoid decision fatigue. So get out of your head, into your heart, and let's dive right in, shall we? Since I've worked with literally thousands of entrepreneurs over the years, I know a lot about how different personalities approach the art of decision-making. And I think it would be really, really beneficial for you to review and understand what these different approaches are because I think it's a good reminder that, you know, not everyone is just like you. We all have different approaches, especially when it comes to decision-making, and that is okay. 
So we're going to look at decision-making from a few different angles. In this segment, we're going to look at the speed with which people make decisions. And this is really similar to the technology adoption curve. So I'm going to run you through the numbers and percentages and break down right now. Okay. So first up, we have leapers. Leapers represent 3.03% of the population. Then we have early adopters. They represent 14% of the population. Then we have early majority, 34%. Late majority, 34% as well. And then tradition holders. They represent 15%. So we start off looking at leapers because they make decisions very quickly. They love to jump right on board. They are the first people to sign up and they want to know how they are going to be the first ones. So they don't want to do something after everyone else is doing it. They want to be the first. That's what really makes them tick. Then we move through the cycle to the early adopters. Now, early adopters make decisions right after the leapers. So they aren't necessarily the first, but they want to be pretty close to the beginning. Then we have early majority, late majority that follow on them, and then tradition holders. So bottom line, what I want you to take away from this is that people make decisions in very different ways. Not everyone makes decisions at the same speed as you. And this is really important because if you are in business with someone, you have a business partner, or even if you have staff or employees, they are going to approach decision-making from a completely different way. And so if you don't want to hit your head against a wall every single day trying to understand why people aren't doing something the way you want them to, you've got to understand what makes them tick. And how they make decisions is really, really important. So think about where you fit in because it's important to know what other people are, but it's also important to know who you are so that you can communicate this to others. So as I was reading through those five different categories, you probably thought which one you fell into. So this is important for you to be self-aware, but it's also strategic for you to have this self-awareness to let everyone else around you know who you are and how you act. The other really important thing that I want you to understand is beyond just the speed with which we make decisions, it is the data and the style or approach to decision making. So one of the tools that I love to use with teams and also with my clients is called personality dimensions. And it divides people into one of four different categories. I know some of you have done this tool with me. Some of you have maybe done it with someone else or maybe done it in school or through some other organization. It's a brilliant tool. I use it all the time. And each of the uh, different personalities is represented and assigned a specific color. And the four colors are, I'll tell you right now, green, gold, orange, and blue. Now, there are certain character traits that are assigned to each one of these different four categories. And I'm not going to go through the specifics of each one of them and all the details. But I do want to look at each different personality through the lens of how they approach decision-making. 
So let's start off with the resourceful orange personality. They like to make decisions really quickly. They get frustrated when other people take too long to make decisions. They like to leap. They don't like to read through instructions. They like to just dive in and kind of figure it out along the way. So they won't typically fuss over too many specifics or too many details. To understand an orange personality, I always love to use that Reed Hoffman quote, that starting a business is like jumping off a cliff and assembling the plane on the way down. That quote is simply music to an orange person's ears, okay? So here's a great story about orange personalities. I once had a client who uh, told me about an organization that she just joined. She was telling me about you know this great network that they had and all these benefits and perks that she had as part of this new global network. And so I asked her how much it cost. And she told me, and then I asked her, okay, well, was that a one-time fee or is that an annual fee? Like, do you have to pay that same amount next year when it's time to renew? And she kind of tilted her head and she looked at me and said, I don't know. And more importantly than I don't know, it was also, I don't know and I don't really care because quite frankly, she was going to sign up anyways, whether it was a one-time fee or an annual fee. So to her... That wasn't really an important piece of information. But to me, I thought that was kind of relevant. So taking that time to slow themselves down and find too much information, that is frustrated for orange personalities. They just want to dive in. They want to take action. And they want to keep moving, right? Next, we're going to look at inquiring green. How do they make decisions? Well, they love, 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 love data and facts and stats and research. And they want to acquire as much information as physically possible. They like to ask lots of questions. They love scientific inquiry. They also uh, will gather as much information as physically possible to analyze and look at this decision from many different perspectives. Because they love solving complex problems, they are very stimulated and engaged when they're doing the research part of making a decision. They sometimes get bored with things that are too simple, too repetitive, or never really challenging. And so sometimes for them, the research and the gathering of the data is even more exciting than the making of the decision. So really, really strong green personalities can sometimes suffer from analysis paralysis, which means that they get stuck and they can't actually make the decision. And this isn't because they're not competent. It just means that they really enjoy this whole process of gathering data and learning. They're always hungry for knowledge and acquiring new information. And so they want to collect as much as humanly possible to be able to analyze and make the right decision. And because they value competence and having others see them as very competent, they want to make sure that they make that right decision. And so it's this quest to make the right decision and gather data that can sometimes potentially lead to analysis paralysis. They want to understand everything really, really thoroughly so that they take their time to figure it out. 
Anecdotally, they tell us sometimes that as a kid, they would take something apart to understand how it worked and then put it back together again. Okay, so we've looked at orange, we've looked at green. Now let's look at organized gold. Now they are very, very detail oriented. They like to make decisions and pride themselves on making good decisions, and they do it in a very logical way. So they might start looking at the big picture first and then make their way through all the details and then right down to the specifics and boom, make a decision. They pride themselves on making good, carefully thought out and efficient decisions. They like to know the specifics and details in order to make a decision. And just like green, they're really great at doing research, but they don't gather data into infinity just for the sake of gathering data. They will only do as much as needed to be able to make a well-informed and concise decision. So let's look at the last personality type, and this is authentic blue. Now, of all the four different personalities, they are the ones who are most strongly driven by their gut instinct or their intuition, their spidey sense. It will really, really uh, drive them to make a decision. You'll often hear them say, well, I just knew that this is what I was meant to do. Often they can't even really logically explain why they're making a certain decision. They just have that really deep down instinctual gut feeling or knowing. And they're very, very driven by connection with others and by relationships. So when they do make a decision, they will consider the impact on everyone else around them. They're very empathetic and they have a natural tendency to really be very emotionally intelligent. And so you better believe this factors highly into their decision making. All right, so that is a summary of all four different personalities. We looked at orange, green, gold, and then blue. And you can see that all four different personalities make decisions in very different ways. You can probably even predict how there would be potential uh, conflict between two different personalities, say two different founders, um, colleagues, two different partners, and they might even cause each other strife if they make decisions in different ways. So from hearing each of those four categories, as I was talking about each one of them, did you have a sense or gravitate to one of them over the others? Do you have a good understanding of who you are and how you like to make decisions? Okay, now I wanna dive into decision fatigue. And yes, just like I said before, this is a real thing. You can Google it, check it out. I actually first heard about this years ago, many years ago, from one of my CEO clients who was claiming to be exhausted all the time because he had to make too many decisions each and every day. Now his issue wasn't that he was making bad decisions, it was just that he was sick and tired, quite frankly, of making so many decisions every single day. So you know, I would actually have one place that I poke around with this, right? When someone's complaining about too many decisions, you want to check in and ask some good questions. So obviously, if you're making too many decisions, you want to check in on the people who you are surrounded with. 
Is there a reason why you're making a disproportionate amount of decisions? Is it maybe that you haven't empowered other people around you to make decisions on their own? Maybe they don't feel like they have uh, the ability to do this. Maybe they feel like you are micromanaging them or you want to be a micromanager. So check in with yourself here. Be really honest. And if necessary, have some good, courageous conversations around this. So according to Wikipedia, decision fatigue refers to the deteriorating quality of decisions made by an individual after a long decision-making process. So it's not simply just about the sheer exhaustion that we feel or the frustration at how many decisions we are making. It is the danger, this is important, it is the danger that after a certain point, we can be at risk of making bad decisions. So in a New York Times article titled, Do You Suffer From Decision Fatigue? It explains that the more choices you make throughout the day, the harder each one becomes for your brain. And eventually your brain will look for shortcuts in one of two different ways. One shortcut is to become reckless and to really act impulsively instead of expending the energy to think through the consequences and make the decision properly. The second shortcut is the ultimate energy saver. It's doing nothing, so avoiding the decision-making. This is where we get stuck and we might even find ourselves procrastinating here. So it's just common sense, isn't it? That the more decisions that we make throughout the day, the harder each one becomes for our brain and it eventually will look for shortcuts. We have a finite amount of attention, a finite amount of willpower. So it just logically follows that we have a finite ability to make good decisions. Because let's face it, making a good decision, it takes a lot of energy, right? We need to do research. We need to consider different perspectives, different opportunities, different outcomes. We need to foresee any potential risk or dangers. We have to assess the impact on others. We have to see how this decision will line up with our other core values, right? Values are hugely important when it comes to decisions. When people don't make decisions that align with their values, it's just a recipe for misery. And that's a great tweetable. I will say it again. When people don't make decisions that fulfill or align with their core values, it's a recipe for misery. So in that same New York Times article, they actually reference a study, this is really interesting, with some shocking results of the impact of decision fatigue. So not that it just applies in everyday life, like, you know, it's hard to decide what you want for lunch, or it's hard to decide what color shirt to wear today. But it also applies when the stakes are really high and when it really matters, like prisoners who are up for parole. The study revealed that prisoners who appeared early in the morning received parole about 70%, 70 70% of the time, while those who appeared later in the day were paroled less than 10% of the time. That's a huge differential. So in the morning, 70% were paroled. In later in the day, only less than 10% were paroled. 
And so I really, really want you to take away from this episode, this a couple of things actually. First off, I want you to really understand and get conscious about how you make decisions. Just like you know your favorite food, you know your favorite colors, you know how you gain energy, where you get inspired, you know your life purpose, you know your core values. You should also know how you like to make decisions. It's an important thing. And the other really important thing I want you to take away is that it does take a sheer amount of energy to make decisions. You know, it really, really does. And we don't always think about this, right? So if you really want to make good decisions, then you will set yourself up for success to do so. So do you ever reflect back on certain points in your life and appreciate things that you did and think, oh, that was a really good decision? Because I do that. And when I reflect on it, I say to myself, yeah, that was really, really good decision. I just knew in my gut that I wanted to do that. So for example, starting a business, that was a good decision. Starting this podcast almost three years ago, now that was a really good decision. Moving to Vancouver when I did, good decision. Living in England for three years when I had the opportunity, fantastic decision. Investing in all my coach training and certification in the very beginning of my business, deciding to incorporate in the very beginning, setting everything up because I knew I would be run off my feet once things took off. Brilliant decision. I could go on and on and on. There's so many decisions that I've made in life that I look back on. And not only was I successful in what I did, but the decision was a good decision, right? It's really important to know who you are, how you make decisions, and then pride yourself on making good decisions. Now, sometimes you can make good decisions and they are a decision to not do something. Like, you know, if something isn't a hell yeah, then we say no. So for example, when I started this podcast, I had to give up teaching yoga classes in the city, which was a heartbreaker. But it was, unfortunately, a good decision for me at the time. And I know that my business would not be where it is today if I hadn't made that tough decision. So sometimes really good decisions can be tough decisions. Now, I would love for you to take that away as homework. And I want you to think about three to five decisions that you have made in your life that were really good decisions, things that you're proud of, that you really, really want to appreciate in yourself. All right, now I want to share five tips with you to help you make good decisions and to avoid this nasty thing called decision fatigue, okay? Five tips. Here we go. Number one, invest your attention on high-impact decisions. So save up all your good energy for the really big and really important things. Hand off the lower-level decision-making to others around you and give them a chance to shine. In the book, The 4-Hour Workweek, Tim Ferriss gives a great example of how he did this. And he started to empower him his employees to resolve lower-level customer service issues by giving them the authority to give out uh, credit up to a certain amount. Now, he did that so that he would minimize the amount that he got involved in customer service issues. 
So the question to ask yourself is, do I need to make all the decisions that I'm currently making? Or can some of these decisions be handed off to someone else that I trust? Number two, make decisions from a peak state. This means when you are high energy, when you are alert, like at the start of your day, make the decisions in this point when you feel like you have a lot of energy, a lot of focus, and a lot of willpower. So we don't want to ever make big decisions from a less than optimal state. To you want to make sure that you're aligned with your big picture vision and that you're really resonant and positive. For example, if you're in the dip, don't make any big rash life decisions from this place. All right? Number three, replace decisions with systems. So I'm sure that you've heard over the years, Steve Jobs, among many other entrepreneurs, follow a specific dress code or style every day. It's kind of like a uniform, right? I think Steve Jobs would wear a black turtleneck and then jeans, baggy jeans. Well, this was not because they didn't have a sense of style. It absolutely wasn't. It was because they were trying to prevent the exertion of energy in small things like deciding what to wear every day. So think about it. You know, picking out your clothes, you think about, you know, what kind of weather it's going to be. Does this top go with these pants? Think about it. There's a lot of energy that goes into that fashion and coordination every single day. So this is also why people have morning routines and they eat the same food each and every day because they're not wanting to use up energy making those small, low-level decisions each and every day. So replace decisions with systems. Number four, sleep on it. If you're on the fence and you're not feeling pulled either way to option A or B, then sleep on it and come back to it in the morning. If neither option is overwhelmingly attractive to you and you don't have to urgently decide in this moment, then sleep on it and give yourself your fresh 100% attention in the morning. Now, if you're solving for a problem, I found that sometimes giving a problem just some appropriate space helps you to find a decision. And Deepak Chopra says that, you know, don't ever force a solution on a problem because thereby in doing so you create a new problem, which I truly believe. So give it space and allow the solution to present itself to you. And now, My last tip, number five, it's a little bit quirky, but it's a good one. And I've shared this with many of my friends over the years and they love it. And they often regurgitate it back to me. Number five, if you are struggling to decide between A or B, the answer is quite often C. Meaning that there is sometimes a solution that maybe you haven't looked at yet and you need to consider. So if neither A or B, neither of the two options are overwhelmingly exciting or feel right, then maybe neither one of them are actually the right options. And you need to do a little research or you need to look for an option C that does feel right. All right, let's recap those five tips. One Invest your attention on those high-impact decisions. Two, make decisions from your peak state. Three, replace decisions with systems. Four, sleep on it. And five, 
If you're stuck between A or B, it just might be C. All right, it's time to start wrapping up this episode on decision fatigue. I hope this episode has inspired you to really, really understand how you make decisions and also really optimize for efficiency. And while it's always nice to draw inspiration from others, the true magic of conscious business is understanding who you are and what makes you tick. You want to understand how you make decisions, what is your process, and then you can start to optimize for it. The goal isn't for you to be like someone else. The goal is for you to be the best version of you, right? So wherever you go, there you are. And that is such a beautiful thing. So lean in and learn. Learn how to make the process conscious. Learn how to make good decisions and learn how to recognize and prevent decision fatigue. And remember to always, 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 always lean into your fear because there is always magic on the other side. Thanks for hanging out with The Corporate Yogi. Remember, being an entrepreneur can be intense and isolating at times. Don't do it alone. Become part of Julie's Facebook group called Conscious Business. And if you're really serious about growing your biz, visit thecorporateyogi.com and book a free strategy session with Julie today.